Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. What is up, my friends? Welcome. What a time to be alive, as always. I hope you're just out there, really just having the most incredible day possible. This is the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. We are back again. Second show of the month. Feeling a little spicy. Uh, we appreciate y'all for joining us. My name is Sean Oshadi. Once again, we're in that post-pay-per-view haze. And it's it's frankly, it's a great day today. I am so happy. My co-captain on this journey. I miss this man so much. He is back. The Prince of Positivity, the King of the North, Alexander K. Lee. Back from Japan, back from vacation. And also, AK, we are joined by our two good pals, friends of the program. Mike Heck, Jed Mashu the rock stars of this fine podcast network. How we doing, fellas? What's the what's the feeling today? I insisted, I insisted that we do a ranking show after UFC 291 because while I was on a lovely, lovely vacation, the two things that I missed the most were obviously watching The Ultimate Fighter and doing Tough Hang. Of course. But second to that was that there, there was a ranking show without me. And, and I'm glad you guys did it. Fantastic work as always. But I felt big time FOMO. And I was hoping to the detriment of maybe some of the fighters that competed on Saturday. I was hoping that certain results would shake out to really give us something to talk about. And we got plenty. We got plenty to work with, uh, including, uh, and I'll give a quick shout out also to the Super Ryzen 2 card. We're not going to talk about this too much in the show, uh, but I, I have a feeling that some people that don't even know Patricio Pitbull fought over the weekend. He took a lightweight bout on like, what, a week notice, two week notice, something like that. Fought Chihiro Suzuki, who I will admit I am not familiar with. And Shihiro Suzuki knocked him out uh, in the first round. So that's two straight losses now for Patricio Pitbull. So UFC 291, a ton to talk about. Uh, I just want to shout out, though, uh, the kind of weird situation that one of our um, top 20 pound-for-pound fighters is in right now. All right. And now that we've lost half our audience by already talking about Patricio Pitbull. Wow, it's like that. Five seconds of the program. <laughs> People are talking about it, Shaheen. People were talking about it. <laughs> Jed, Mike, how you guys doing? Is that doing the today? bad Pitbull, brother? Is that, that the one we're talking about? Just no, it's a good out? one. Oh, well, I guess that tells you everything you need to know about the Pitbull Brothers then. Hey, there you go, Latour. 
All we learned so both. much. We, we've learned that Justin Gaethje can change careers. We didn't know that Sergio Pettis could change careers, but apparently he did. So, yeah, I guess we're, I guess we're pouring one out a little bit for for Patricio Pitbull. Uh, tough, tough month stretch or so for that not really young man anymore. I'm so happy about it because I, I don't, I'm not, I'm just kind of quick looking at our overall <laughs> like so pound for pound rankings. It. I haven't had Pitbull in my pound for pound rankings like ever. Shameful. It's like. And I think I'm one of one of maybe the only, maybe the only person to do it. It's like I don't know, beating Michael Chandler is that it? Like just beating a bunch of dudes? I don't, I'm not sure that puts you pound for pound for me. And then he gets iced on three days' notice by a, a perfectly fine fighter. Not here to say it. A lot of extenuating circumstances, but it makes me feel better about my pound for pound rankings and leaving them off. What is happening right now? But poor Patricio Pitbull is on the plane ride back from Japan right now. Be like, ah, oh, I'm going to pop on the ranking show. They're going to be talking about all the fun UFC stuff that happened. And he just gets drive by by AK. Hey, not, <laughs> by, not by me. Listen, I, five I, seconds. I'm one of uh, Shaheen, you and I, and the esteemed Casey Lydon uh, did not drop Pitbull off. He went from being, I think he was on everyone's ballot except for Jed's. And now he's only on three. So three, three of our panels. Ahead just of the curve. Stri- You're ahead Those of the curve, Jed. And three of our panelists straight up just uh, uh, also was not on mic. So uh, three of our panelists dropped him. Now he's just down to he was on six, six ballots. Now just down to three. Still hanging in there because he's pretty high on, on Casey's ballot. But it's not has not been a good month for uh, Patricio. I would say I suspect Casey submitted that ballot maybe before that result. But that's neither here nor there. I don't there. think it'll convince Any, him to drop him. Anyway, fellas, uh, hell of a month. Really? Hell of a month. All right. Like you. A lot of things. Uh, event of the year with UFC 290. Fight of the year contender on that with the flyweights. You got the masterpiece from Volk. Greatest retirement of all time. Uh, and now new BMF champion, Justin Gaethje. Plenty of depression all around the uh, Salt Lake City area with Tony Ferguson and even Michael Chiesa to like a liter- lesser extent. This month, July, really just made us feel a lot. Uh, it made us really run the gamut when it comes to emotions. But for me, I mean, moving forward, as we exit sort of this UFC 291 phase and head into July, the biggest takeaway from all of this to me is the biggest dangling thread that's sort of, I think, at least the most impactful storyline as we move forward now, which is the co-main event from Saturday. And really, what this light heavyweight division looks like today, now following the entry of Alex Pereira, uh, I mean, we said it on the post-fight show. I said it in particular. I wrote it in my post-fight column as well. But I keep just coming back to the idea of, frankly, how ridiculous um, all of this is. The fact that this is even happening, that less than two years ago, this man is losing the first round to Andreas Michaelitis, and he's just like this fun curio on this undercard. And now all of a sudden, he's, I think, legitimately one win away from being like a surefire UFC Hall of Famer. If he isn't already, like maybe some people would already put him there, but he is actually one win away from like being inarguable. Just comes into Salt Lake City and quite literally outlasts Jan Blakovitz, shows off a new level of takedown defense, submission defense. And just the second light heavyweight now to beat Jan in this post John Jones era. It's pulling off a rare feat for us, at least for our purposes. Because I believe, AK, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he is the only fighter, male or, male or female, Alex Perez, to currently be ranked in the top five in two different divisions now for us. Uh, that has to be true. I, I oh, think you guys still ranked him in middleweight? Yeah, yeah, he's he hasn't shut the door. He, he he literally said he's planning to go back. So oh yeah, I pulled, I pulled him from my middleweight rankings. Well, that, you, you, st- you still have them. time to ch- you still have time to change that. We haven't uh, we haven't. I'm not going to change that. Well, you should. But uh, again, you know what? <laughs> what <laughs> man was bigger than Jan Blahovich. He can say he's going to 185 all he wants. 
That just ain't happening. We're just trying to. We're you just can trying pull to, him all you want. He's yeah. still top five for us. I mean, right now, five. he's he's number three at middleweight and fellas. But this is like other divisions where there aren't fighters you can put in the middleweight rankings. There are plenty of them. We'll get to that reasoning later. We'll get to that reasoning later, Jed. I know why you're saying that. We'll get to that reasoning later. <laughs> Trust me. We've plenty of time to talk about everyone's favorite division later. Look, number three at middleweight, and now. As of this week, number five for us in these light heavyweight rankings. Votes from our eight-person panel split. He gets votes all the way from number three to number six. AK, I think you had him at number three. Jed, you had him at six. Mike and I uh, aligned at number five. So this is your new top seven now at light heavyweight for MMA fighting. Yuri Prohaska, Vadim Nemkov, Magomed Ankalaev, Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira, Corey Anderson, Jan Bukovic. Love it. So, fellas, I throw this to you. Alex Pereira, the number five light heavyweight in the world. Did we get this right? Sure. Yeah. Because you know what happens? And I think all of you gentlemen can agree with this. When you fight the number five fighter and you beat the number five fighter, (laughs) then you become the number five fighter. And there are certain fighters who I'm sure we're going to talk about later who don't know what that means. They just feel like they win a rando vacant title and they're automatically going to be ranked number one. (laughs) It's not how this works. But if you go out there and you beat the number five guy, whether it's your first light heavyweight fight or your 14th light heavyweight fight, you then, by proxy, become at worst the number five guy. So, yeah, he was my number five. Jan Bohovic was number five prior. No brainer. He's a top five light heavyweight right now. Yeah, I don't have any issues with that. I, I will disagree. I don't think you necessarily have to move to five. I think you can also just drop Blahovich. Uh, But in this instance, it's a little harder to do that as he's got some relevant wins. I settled on six because I basically did just put him in Jan's spot and bumped people down. Uh, but I also recognize that I have uh, an abiding love for Anatoly Malikin that others don't. And so if you move him and perhaps my uh, fanboy glasses off, then yeah, prayer five is fine. Like he's the problem is Alex Prayer has made a mockery of rankings and basically the entire sport of MMA. Oh, yes, he's, he's burned he's, them to the ground. He has basically turned the entire sport of MMA on its head, and it comes at a really bad time when we're doing ranking stuff, and it just <laughs> makes us look like idiots. It's like, I don't know, here's this dude who's a kickboxer, and oh, he's actually the best middleweight on earth? He's probably not, but he did beat the best middleweight. Oh, now he lost to him. Now what the hell do we do? I don't have any idea. He's... He's the exception for everything. He got a very good win at light heavyweight. This is a dog shit division, so he can probably beat a lot of other light heavyweights. This feels fine in placement for him. Yeah, don't forget, he totally screwed up our pound-for-pound rankings, too, when he beat Izzy the first time. We were like, where the hell did we put this guy? I think he ended up in our top 10, and I think Izzy beat him, and he's still hanging in there. And now he's... Izzy had such an incredible pound-for-pound resume. Yeah, so do you put him above for the one win? But if if you put Prayer in there with Paul Craig... I don't like it. Wouldn't at all shock me if Paul Craig tapped him. Yeah. And Paul Craig is maybe a top fifteen heavyweight by the same token. And we're gonna get to this. I'm gonna pick Pereira to beat Yuri Prashko when they fight for the vacant belt. He he just bends bends the sport to his will, and it really hurts all of us in the content community. Because it makes it impossible. <laughs> but it it's is impossible super, to do this. It is super fun to watch, thankfully. It's so fun. Uh, Shaheen, as, as you wrote in your takeaways, uh, your post UFC 291 takeaways, he's speed running. He's speed running his way to like a Hall of Fame all time legacy. 
like previously you could have used that description for like conor mcgregor but even conor mcgregor i'm, I'm just looking at his resume now he started fighting in 08 he made his ufc debut in 2013 so he was like focused and pretty busy in mma for like five years i think Pereira took his first US, uh, mma fight like a while ago then obviously went back to focus on kickboxing and then sort of just returned what 2018 2019 and just started saying yeah i'm just gonna focus on trying to you know do mma again and maybe get this fight with izzy and here we are he becomes the ufc champion he's now we all assume about to compete for a vacant light heavyweight title it's it, there's no, just no, no, no real comparison yeah he's going to compete for the real light heavyweight yes. title because he's going to be fighting the true light heavyweight champion yes and <laughs> i do like if you think otherwise you're just a and barnacle man like i you're just an, an absolute barnacle moron. he's gonna fight the dude who is the best light heavyweight on earth for the chance to claim the title that's it i'm not calling have it vacant. We, he's fighting for the belt do we need to cut do we, do we need to have I we made it like clear we gotta do this we, yeah, have we made it clear we, we just have to do this my like, best friend mike so, heck alluded to some controversy regarding our rankings uh shaheen should we just say it should we just say out yeah. loud who we're talking about I, here i was gonna save this but it appears that we cannot save this so gentlemen <laughs> Um, the former champ, he has some thoughts. Paper champ. Let's, I let's said it. To, I said let's it. Try to, let's try to keep this professional. Uh, he has some thoughts about our rankings. This was Jamal Hill on Monday morning after the new light heavyweight shakeup was posted. Uh, I believe he wrote, he wrote this on our Instagram. This is casual fangirl rankings. Can there no real fight experience behind this outlet with three exclamation points? You guys get it? Fangirl, because women don't have valuable opinions. We're women, so we're stupid. Fangirl, you guys, did you get it? I don't know if you got it or not. Fucking ass. Also, how <laughs> dare you How dare you? Uh, besmirch the great name of E.K.C. Layden, who uh, undefeated, yeah. up and coming, one of the mm -hmm. greatest prospects in the sport. I mean, that, I digress. Uh, I mean, this had some people split on social this, this. media. We had lots of comments in the that under that post saying these are casual rankings. How dare they include Bellator fighters? Which is a very funny sentence. Um, <laughs> confusing, I, confusing. I, I don't understand that sentence, but it's funny. Uh, also, we had some people coming to our defense. I mean, we had our boy Paul DeMarco here on Twitter said, "Boys, he'll win on in on you guys on the IG post. I give you guys some shit on nearly every new rankings you guys post out. However, I think you guys nailed it this time." And then he said, "Anatoly might be too low," which. It's probably right. I, I love yeah. that. Here's the thing. If you want to have Jamal Hill higher, that's fine. Sure. Like I, I'm not here to tell you you're wrong for that. It is just, they're just the most sensitive little babies on earth. Like, Oh my goodness. I'm number four. And all of the comments defending it and sort of, which big by the way, he, he was above Pereira. Yeah, he's above, he's above Pereira. All of the comments defending it are like, uh, specifically there were several, uh, you have the champ. Like the former champering number, and then same same breath, people be like, "You gotta beat the champ to be the champ." Like, what champion did did Jamal Hill beat? He didn't. It's like Jamal Hill could be the best light heavyweight on earth. I have no idea. We have seen him deliver one performance that makes you think, "Oh, he could be that." It was terrific. His performance in Glover Teixeira is a plus plus work. It's literally the one thing we've ever seen him do that was even sort of like that. I have no idea if he's good or not. So like, if you want to believe in him and rank him there, I ain't got no, I, I won't be like, you're obviously an idiot, but it just seems very reasonable to be like, Oh yeah, I have one good win on my resume. So it's not unreasonable that I am not the consensus. Number one person 
particularly when you look at my resume and like, not a lot of people still employed by the UFC, even fewer of those people who are on winning streaks right now. So like Johnny Walker is sort that's of good the win. best win of I his career. I would say career. that's a good win. Yeah, that's a, it's a perfectly fine win. Uh, I would not have given Tiago Santos as a good win. I didn't at the time because I didn't think too much of Tiago Santos, but if you want to, that's fine. Glover was a great performance, but then it's Jimmy Crute, OSP, and he lost to Paul Craig. Like it's, like, these aren't things that demand me stand up and declare you the greatest. And so it's okay. Like you, I'll give you a hug, but if, if what you need is a hug because you need the validation from people on the internet, I will give you that hug. But otherwise, it's just okay. Because if you want to say that I'm the 5,000th best MMA personality, okay. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Mike, you're, you're the, I think you're the only one who had him exactly at four, which ended up being the consensus ranking. Explain, explain your apparently heinous ranking of the uh, recent, recent uh, light heavyweight champion. So let me, let me answer your question with another question. Mm. Remember when we had this conversation in January, this exact effing conversation? Mm-hmm. Yes, we didn't know where to put him. What has Jamal done since then? Who has he fought? Achilles? In, yeah. a, in a basketball game. Yeah. Who has he fought in an MMA fight since then? Nobody. He has fought nobody. And what did we say back in January when this was the same exact freaking conversation? We are going to learn everything we need to know about Jamal Hill and where he's going to be in these rankings. When he fights Yuri Prohashka, the actual champion of the world, because we can all agree that the UFC can present this in any way they would like. They can convince Yuri Prohashka that, hey, we're going to strip you of the belt, but we're going to give you the Terry Francona getting fired from the Red Sox, but presented as an amicable split type of scenario where we make it seem like you and your samurai spirit decided that what's best for this division and what's best for this division is, is for it to move forward and crown a new champion. And I will come back heroically and fight the man who won the title. Well, guess what? He did that. Jamal Hill had an incredible performance. And guess what Jamal Hill has been doing since? Going out to every UFC card. Hooping. Every one. Every single one. Waiting for Yuri Prohashka to come back and fight. Do I know what sort of negotiations were going on? I'm not sure. But literally nothing has changed since January. The only thing that I can remember that has been noticeable change in the light heavyweight rankings is that Vadim Nemkov beat the hell out of Corey Anderson and bumped up. And then Alex Pereira just beat Jan Blachowicz and bumped up. Jamal Hill, for me, has not moved at all. He's been number four since he won the title. He has not moved one ranking. Not one. So what is the problem? Go beat Yuri. You're the number one guy. And guess what? When Yuri fights Alex Pereira, if Alex Pereira beats Yuri Prohashka, guess where Alex Pereira is going to be ranked? Number one. And if you come back and you beat Alex Pereira, Jamal Hill, if you do that, guess where you're going to be ranked? Right now, I might rank you 12th. I'll say I'm, I'm going to rank him six. I have a new rule. If you come crying about how people are mean to you, I'm bumping you. I know you are immediately dropping okay. one spot. Let's, Our next rankings, nah, dropping him. Let's be clear. That is a Jed Mishu rule. That is not an MMA fighting rankings panel rule. And I'm not saying I don't support it. I, I, yes, I'm not. But on top of that, when we have discussions like this, mm-hmm. we have, like, if let's just take titles out of it. Let's take titles yes. out of it. That's a pure resume. That's yeah, one of the important things re- of, yeah. of independent that's rankings. That's what I'm doing here. That's yes. what I'm done here. Yuri Prashka to me is still the 
the champion of the world and the best light heavyweight in the world. Vadim Nemkov, I would pick to comfortably beat Jamal Hill in a fight. Comfortably. I'd feel very good about that. Could Jamal Hill win? Sure. But I would feel very confident coming on a show saying Vadim Nemkov is going to put the wood to Jamal Hill. And if I agree with you, he's going, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I think, uh, my best friend, first of all, fantastic, fantastically presented case. Um, I think the one big misunderstanding and we should say, so we have a shakeup post that goes out before the graphic goes on social media and all that. One thing I didn't take into account because I'm a logical human being is that I, I, I didn't under, I didn't think people would assume that Jamal Hill dropped. Uh, I do take some of the blame. I, you know, people don't necessarily, I guess, keep up with our rankings all the time. That's fine. So they go really, I think they're comparing it with the UFC rankings and they're thinking, Oh, Jamal vacated the title during the span of time. And then he dropped to four. Mike, you're right. You're pointing out for most of us, the ranking didn't change at all. And he did not drop in our rankings. He was four after he won the title. We put him as high because he went from, I think like ninth or 10th to four. So pretty big jump anyway. And then he didn't fall. So that, that is where a lot of this people being upset is, is that they think he, he dropped because of Alex Pereira's win or because he vacated the title. And that's not the case. He never dropped at all. Um, we like we're just as you said we're kind of just waiting to get that for him to get that opportunity to fight someone above him Yuri Prochka or Alex Pereira if he was Mike Heck is like erupting Mike and then he'll be I I understand I I'm as upset as any of you I'm just trying to maintain a cool head here and and uh, again just to make the case for you for anyone not understanding why Yuri is number one and higher his resume is so much stronger than uh, Jamal Hills he hasn't lost a fight since. December 2015. Uh, he's just and like, he, and he hasn't cried about his resume. Mike, he's and really he hasn't, why would he? Why would he? So <laughs> I, I just want to say, just to, uh, I'm not defending these opinions. I'm saying I know where these opinions come from. They're just confused and they thought, like, oh, we, we just like, we follow the UFC rankings and they then come we just. from a place of them. sadness, AK. Sadness and just not thinking, just not like a second of critical thinking. Like, if, again, Mike is right. If critical you think thinking. Jamal Hill's. <laughs> thinking what the hell are you talking about 11 out of the 15 fighters on this list have a color and an arrow next to their names mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and do you see a color or an arrow next Mike, to jamal please. hill's name Mike, are you people. shitting me with this like caught like this is common sense our graphics team our social media superstars Busted their ass and put out oh, this God. beautifully easy to follow <laughs> rankings graphic with colors and arrows next to their friggin' names. And Jamal Hill just has a gray line next to it. It's Jamal Hill and nothing, which means nothing happened. God, God this is <laughs> Of course he didn't drop, because if he dropped, there'd be a red arrow next to his name. Just like, look at the like graphic. Just look at the frigging graphic. Just like Mike, please, Mike, please, Mike, please. Why is this? It's just so stupid, dude. Come on, you are all better than this. I know we we work in a sport where people have opinions mm-hmm. and they like to say a bunch of things and they like to stir up the pot. There's nothing to stir up here. It's plain as day. There's so much to stir up, Mike. This is because Boston, he was Mike. the UFC's champion. Because he was the UFC's champion, so he's obviously the best fighter in the world, and we're just haters. Haters Boston, and losers, Mike. Boston Mike is back just in time. UFC uh, 292 is just around the corner, and Boston Mike is back. Here's He is back. I just want to restate this because I don't think it, it was said really at this. Just so we're clear, Jamal Hill, by the UFC's own admission, <laughs> was their number four choice to fight for a light heavyweight title. They originally had a fight booked, fell through, 
Glover wouldn't fight on short notice. They picked two totally other dudes to step in and fight for a vacant. That went to a decision. Dana got in his feels and was like, I will take number UFC ranked number seven, Jamal Hill. And now he will fight Glover to share for it. There were four people in front of Jamal Hill to fight for this belt. He happened to get there. And that's why he ends up at number four in our rankings. And if Magomed Angoliath won the title that night, which most people thought he did, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. Jamal, Jamal Hill would have fought Anthony. Five. Jamal Hill would have fought Anthony Smith in like March. <laughs> probably would have won that, and now it'd be like Jamal Hill is fighting. He'd Johnny be on the Walker right side again, or he'd something. He'd be on the right side of the rankings, probably with a red arrow and a number one next to his name, because Alex Pereira just beat up, just went up and beat Jan Bohovic. So what? Like, what are we talking about here? Don't know. It's great though. Great for the content lines. I just have to say, uh, the criticism of the rankings of, you know, hey, who, who are these people doing these rankings? They've never fought. I, do people understand how the UFC rankings are done and the people who are oh. doing them? Oh, they a thousand percent <laughs> do not, Shaheen. Like, look, these are the like, same it's people. It's not Dana who, White and Sean Shelby sitting up in that room with Mick Maynard doing those rankings. No, these are the same people who, and I'm going to toot our own horns here for just a very brief moment have the uh, the mental disconnect to look at MMAfighting.com, the actual best website in the world for covering this space, the most prolific and best website at this, and be like, casual marks. Those people whose profession it is to cover the sport and do it better than anyone and win awards every year, don't know shit. <laughs> These people just, they don't make the connect. I'm just going to say, I'm looking at the people who do the UFC rankings right now. So this is the opinions that, that is, you know, the, the, the non-casual uh, top turtle podcast, blood and sweat. I don't know if that's a website. Maybe it's that's, a website. I believe that's an expansion pack for one of the Witcher games. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cherokee scout. Which sounds like a racehorse name. Uh, listen, I interviewed the guy who uh, works for the Cherokee Scout back in the day for a feature on the. He's a nice man. I genuinely he's have never nice heard of this place. He's a nice guy. CFMU 93.3. I just genuinely have never heard of three of the I, four that have been named. I, I could not reach. Sheen, you can keep going, but I, I could no, not I'm, reach. I don't I need to keep going. Okay. People can find it. It is it is squirreled. I didn't know they still showed it. It is squirreled at the bottom of the rankings, the UC.com rankings page. It's this little like one line, how are rankings determined? You have to click it and it opens up this box. And then these little, the names are like just in this little extra box, almost grayed out. They're like hard to read. Um, and when I was doing my feature, just a few years ago now, when I was doing my feature, I don't think the names have changed. Uh, oh, I think, of course but, they but I'm pretty they sure uh, talking to other people since then that that these sites, they don't use the same list of sites. So no one's a hundred percent sure who the panel is made up of now, but that's to your point guys, that the quote unquote official rankings that are apparently Bible to uh, many MMA fans are made just, I, I would say just as are made far more haphazardly than our rankings. Here's all I have to say. Last, yeah, and I'm ahead, done. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Hill, you're number four. And these are the only rankings that matter. So deal with it, homie. That's just it. <laughs> Deal with it because we ain't changing. You want to change it? Come back from the injury and fight somebody that that's going to move you up. Until then, you're number four. Fangirl out. (laughs) 
last thing from me because i i agree we don't need to dwell on this i feel like we've already talked about it too much if anything uh i'm just curious because i this is the thing that doesn't make sense to me and it's sort of what mike was saying what do you think is the one name on there that set this off because like to me oh, there's, I bet only, it's Nimkov. Nimkov. there's only yeah. three people above jamal hill obviously yuri i feel like anyone getting mad about yuri would just be the worst kind of insane like we all that's just they, not they are and i i will say that most of the comments i saw were all some variation of like he should at least be number two which i'm assuming is a year so then that you have either never watched vadim nemkov and just don't pay attention to the world outside of the ufc if that's your opinion of vadim nemkov because that's just like that's obscene that's a, that's that's a terrible opinion if you think vadim nemkov is has a worse resume than jamal hill right like like that's just objectively not true. The, the whole crapping on Nemkov, Corey Anderson, Phil Davis thing is so weird to me because I see a lot of the comments like, oh, these guys wouldn't cut it in the UFC. I'm like, Corey Anderson and Phil Davis were top 10 UFC light heavyweights. They came over to Bellator. Corey Anderson was in the top five when he left. Corey they, Anderson has a more definitive, well, maybe not more definitive, an equally definitive win over Glover Teixeira. It's, like a much younger Glover Teixeira. It's so dumb. And, and I, I, I'm i fine with people arguing that overall Bellator has lesser competition. That's fine. But light heavyweight is definitely one of their better divisions. A lot of their losses are to each other. Like we're saying like, oh, well, they lost some fights in Bellator. Yeah, they lost to each other. They lost to other UFC guys who were ranked in UFC. So I don't mind people not wanting to rank UFC, uh, Bellator guys as highly. But to say they shouldn't be on the list is so dumb. It just makes no sense. It's a they, casual they, list. It's, it's a, a casual Oh, it's a casual list. You're right. It's a casual list. So yeah. shouldn't be on there. Also, um, I misspoke. I was uh, Corey Anderson's uh, dominant win is over Jan Blahovic. So before it yes. comes to my throat, well, didn't he also beat Glover? He no, beat he, Glover. He, he, I, he he lost to Glover. No, they fought twice. Didn't they also? Uh, I'm not crazy, right? I swear he beat Glover. Uh, I have to look this up uh, now. Now you've got me. I we we know he fought Jan twice, and Jan won the most recent fight by knockout. But he did. He does have. Uh, yeah, Corey yeah, also he beat Glover. Jan. He's beaten. Yeah, Glover. he's beaten Glover, yeah. and he's beaten Jan. So <laughs> I don't yeah. know if people want. Like I know it was a while ago now, but. These wins, did, it's, you can't erase them. They happened. And, and Glover didn't beat him. No, Glover does not have a win over yeah. Corey Anderson. No. And Corey Anderson also melted Johnny Walker, too. Mm -hmm. Like, real fast. Corey Anderson's really good. He's really good. Real he'd, be, he'd, he'd be a top 10. Line. I'm he, not willing to say Corey Anderson's very good. That's he would be a bridge a, too far. He'd be a top 10 light heavyweight in the UFC, right? The only knock against him well, people yeah, have is that he's not in the UFC. Well, yeah, top 10 light heavyweight doesn't make you good. No, it doesn't Light make you heavyweight good, is light heavyweight. This is strictly Lord. rankings talk, Jed. Strictly rankings. Real quick, just, just, just give me your answer, Jed. If you, who would you bet on if the lines are even? Jamal Hill or Corey Anderson? Corey Anderson. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't feel super confident because, again, that's the thing. Like, was that performance just, here's Jamal Hill, he has arrived? Or was it, hey, you guys remember the Cody Garbrandt moment when we were like, oh, shit, this dude's never going to lose again. Look what he's doing to Dominic Cruz. Oh, wait, actually, he's going to get got a many, many times over. Could be either. We have no idea yeah. until we see what happens moving forward. That's all we said after, in January. We'll, we'll know everything in his next fight. If he goes out there and beats Jerry, he's the dude. That's it. Yeah, there's no way you're implying a win over a 43 year old Glover Teixeira who just took an immense amount of damage in the in the fight of the year, like a few months before that would be the same. Anyway. The it. same as a win that's over it. Dominic Cruz who doesn't have functioning knees and was also just like physically real old at the time. Could be the same. We'll find out. Maybe it's not. Might be totally different. We'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, last thing on light heavyweight, and then we can move on because we've we've done enough. Please, uh, wrap, yeah, close this up. 
I just want to go back to where we started, which is Yuri versus Alex to me is now my most anticipated fight of 2023. I believe that will happen in 2023, probably towards the end of the year. I can't wait for this fight. That fight is is fucking magical to me, just in the way that you, we can like speculate and think about like how things are going to look. Those two dudes are just absolutely insane in like the best way possible when it comes to this type of thing of like action fighters who are just very unpredictable, but also like just really will death touch you at any moment from any of the eight limbs. Do you guys share my enthusiasm for this? Because to me, I said this on the post show and Jed, you laughed at me, but like this to me, this fight to me now being here in front of us makes it feel like 205 is back in a way that's like actually real for the first time in a long time. I, I have to see it. And that's how you know that they're just going to book Yuri versus uh, Megaman and Kaliev instead. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. So that's going to be great. I love this. Uh, <laughs> I love it. That's all I can say. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by it. Right now, I'm kind of with Jed. I kind of feel like Pereira is going to win, but only because just you. this weird, it, it's just the Pereira story right now. And it just, it's like written in the stars that this is going to happen. I just had, it's, it's just that weird feeling. It just but. feels like the blood gods are hurtling us towards the Izzy thing to come back. Like whatever mm. this weird thing is, yeah. is, I just, it feels to me like it's in the air. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen because Izzy's going to lose to DDP, but that's a different conversation. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. It'll just be really fun to watch, but I think prayer is going to boop him. And then we're going to be left right back here being like, is Alex Pereira really the best light heavyweight in the world? Like probably not, but I guess he is technically, but oh. Vadim Nimkov will probably run him. And so would a number of other dudes. Really? What the hell do we do with this anomaly? That is Poetan, uh, which is really fun. So I'm Super into fun. it. I, I'm definitely into it. Even if it uh, makes me, ask some existential questions about this sport as a whole. Oh, I just laughed out loud because if your prediction comes true, Jamal Hill is going to have a number and a color next to his name and it's going to be red and he's going to get dropped to number five and it's going to be a dope. reaction to that is going to be incredible. It's going to be dope. <laughs> and all the while, Magomed Ankalaev is probably actually the best light heavyweight in the world. <laughs> That's the thing. He probably, probably is. actually the dude, but we're never gonna know. This <laughs> is this is a very weird division. Should have beaten Jan. So he should have be beaten Jan. Listen, yeah. he had a shot. He had a shot. Amazing. He Amazing. didn't lose to Jan. He didn't lose. He didn't win. <laughs> but Absolutely for amazing. for reasons I still haven't figured out. Uh, in enraged Dana White, despite probably winning and at least not losing in a perfectly fine fight, mm -hmm. totally fine fight. Enraged Showed a lot him. of heart. Showed a lot of heart in that fight. Good fight. Championship back. medal. Good fight. No, awful, unbelievable that these these two men would go to a draw that they have actual no control over the draw part of it. Just it's weird times. Weird times. Fun times. I'm really excited for it. We're going to take a quick break, and then AK is going to be very happy once we come back. Great times. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. 
All right, y'all, we are back. And I'm just so, ba- I'm so glad you're back for this one, AK. Uh, because I, I really couldn't imagine doing this episode without you. Uh, I couldn't imagine doing this segment without you. This is a dream segment for you. There's finally a reason to actually talk about women's 135. Realistically, there actually is. Yeah, seriously. Uh, in the void left behind Amanda Nunes' wake, I feel like no one had any idea what to do with women's bantamweight. Uh, last time we were here, there were three different women who drew number one votes from our panel, Julianne Pena, Pennington, and Holly Holm. But now, fellas, now those votes have been consolidated. And I honestly can't believe I'm about to say this, but we actually have a new number one bantamweight on MMA fighting. Let's go. I don't know what world we're living in, but five first place votes. Myra Buena Silva, the new number one bantamweight on MMA fighting by like a wide margin. Rockets from Deserve number 10 it. to number one because of reasons i guess uh she's Je- getting w's and finishes baby <laughs> beaten at 135 i guess she hasn't Je- lost at 135 she's unbeaten so Four jed up. and ak both of you guys had her at number one uh mike and i we we respect the process we have her at number four behind pena pennington and Vieira. but like we're basically alone on this on the website i'm gonna throw it to y'all i have no idea how to handle this news what should how should we handle this news what even just happened this is easy. I was saying this coming into the fight with Holly Holm. The UFC should have put a stupid vacant title fight on it because why not? Like, I know we're yes. going to a Pennington Pena thing, but like, who really cares? They were so quick to do it with the much more prestigious light heavyweight belt for no reason at all. Just do it for this one. Let Holly Holm get one more shot at it. Fireboy and Silva is a top 10 fighter. It's no, honestly, it is would have been exactly the same as having Glover to share a fight Jamal Hill for a vacant belt, like exactly the same when you're looking at the rankings. And so I said, going into it, that's going to be my number one. Whoever wins that, I don't care. I'm just declaring it. And then on top of it, Myra Buena Silva wins it. She's she's won four in a row at bantamweight since coming back up. Three of them are finishes. Nobody, I think I didn't look this up. Pennington is on by far the longest winning streak at the Bantamweight division at five. MBS is four, I assume, is number two. And three of hers are finishes. And that's not something Rocky's doing. So that's my number one. I feel great about it. And, and again, I want to reiterate uh, Myra Bonasilva has not lost at 135 pounds. Her two losses are uh, at flyweight. So she's an undefeated Bantamweight. She beats Holly Holm, something that Raquel Pennington hasn't done. I think Raquel's had two tries at it, hasn't done it. Julia Pena hasn't had the chance to fight Holly Holm, so you can't really ding her for that. Kentlin Vera did beat Holly Holm, but then lost to Pennington, so she suffers from some MMA math. So it's actually really easy, I think, to put Mara Bueno Silva uh, at the top. And I was, as I went on vacation, I was still, of course, getting MMA fighting notifications. You just need them. And I was getting those fight night notifications. And after my initial, who the hell are some of these people that were fighting on this card? I then had a moment of, oh, wait, I was like, is that right? Mayra Bueno Silva submitted Holly Holm. And I felt this excitement. And I felt one, like, wow, this is going to be a great vacation. Uh, and I can't wait to come back and talk about the tone setter. That's <laughs> the, the tone this. This is the tone setter, setter for the vacation. <laughs> and the only thing, my only worry is that I'll be thinking about wanting to talk about women's bantamweight for the rest of the trip, which I was. Still a great trip, but a, a crowning Mayra Bueno Silva is a great way to, uh, to return to, the, to uh, North America. I'll tell you that. I mean, Mike, what do you, what do you make of all this? Because you were with me at number four. This kind of happened around us. I, I'm still uncertain how this happened. I mean, Jamal Hill's going to be so bad when he sees these rankings. Um, I, <laughs> it's, uh, it's fine. Like, I'm, ju- I'm just Are not, we just bored? 
I think that's a part of it. I think this is, I think Meyer Buena Silva just going out and tapping Holly Holm. Um, I think she did a lot of people, including a lot of people in this rankings panel, a favor by doing that. She, I think she definitely did the UFC a favor by, by doing that. Holly just, Jed, you said it best. When Holly walked into the building, like normally she we watch awful. the walks, she looked, she looked like she was 54. Like she, I was like, wow, she actually looks older and doesn't look like she even really kind of wants to be there right now. So I, I just think sort of getting Holly home out of the title picture might be the momentum swing to get something out of this division. But to me, I, I just, I couldn't put her above Pennington or Pena. I didn't even put her above Caitlin Vieira just yet. Same, same. She doesn't have the I'm resume. Very, but I'm not blaming, like, I don't blame either of you Caitlin guys. Like, Vieira if you, probably lost to Holly Holm, and at least it was, if she didn't, it was a really awful, awful fight. <laughs> MBS saved us 25 minutes. Give the woman her respect yeah. for not making Here's, you watch Holly Holm do that thing for 25 and think, minutes. And I think that's part of it, too. Sure. It's just like, oh. Those who had to cover that event were very <laughs> also happy. very realistically. If you look at anybody ranked in anybody's list right now, MBS's submission of Holly Holm is the most impressive single victory aside from Pena's win over yep. Nunez, who's yep. retired and who Nunez emphatically responded to. Yes, and depending on how when that uh, Nunez, uh, Nunez, excuse me, Pena Pennington fight happens, that. Nunez win was December 2021. Like it could be two years, you know. I, I'm assuming that Pena and Pennington will fight for the end of the year, but I'm not sure. It's not booked, so it could be like two. We could, we're approaching the two years away from that fight soon. Since that time, she fought Amanda Nunez and lost, got crushed for five rounds, and and in that time, uh, Myra Bueno Silva won four fights. So she's four and zero oh since that time. Finished uh, Juliana three Pena's finished three. Um, Juliana Pena's own one. Um. She can ride that that Nunez win forever. It's a great win. It's why she's ranked as highly as she is. But mathematically speaking, realistically speaking, I have no problem putting Maya Bueno Silva ahead of her. No, I have zero problem with it, and happy to do it. I don't hate it. It's the Matt it. Sarah situation. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I, I feel like it's just representative of what the fuck this division yeah, is. Yeah, you should actually no it. Did you try it? Did you put the name there and like just try it, like see how it felt, see how it looked? For people who are listening to this, I'm going to give you a sampling of some names yeah, yeah. who are ranked within the top 15 of some of the panelists oh, for, yeah. for go, women's fans. Uh, I'm going to butcher some of these. Tanisha Tennant. Yeah. Olga Rubin. Yeah. Claire Guthrie. Daria Zelenikova. I'm going to say Zalzenyakova, but I have no idea I if that's close Zalzenyakova to being correct. Zalzenyakova is it. AK, I'm so proud of you for plumbing the... Uh... The Aries mind. Aries even. FC. Shout out to Aries FC. This is what we're doing. Even though Daria <laughs> lost to Melissa Dixon. <laughs> oh, but, but I have Melissa Dixon too. I have Melissa Dixon oh, ahead you? of her. I didn't yeah, see I Melissa have, Dixon. I have, I have them both. <laughs> Melissa Dixon's on there. <laughs> I believe I introduced Melissa Dixon. <laughs> I think you did. Yeah, I think you I was did. trying to find someone to fill this yeah, out. It is so impossible to find 15 names to fill out these ballots at this point. <laughs> it is ridiculous. I, this is what I truly believe this, this MBS just rocketing to number one for everyone is it's just y'all are bored with this division yeah it's sure. fun Way and that's fine time. frankly for like what this is the one division where it feels to me like whatever if you want to have Pena at the top i don't begrudge any of the people who oh, of course Pena. not yeah she's my number two uh, she's my number two yeah my number three because i she has one win that's notable and rocky mm -hmm. pennington has five in a row so i just i just have to say that for for context purposes because the listeners have no idea what our rankings like what our actual page looks like 
I laugh every single time I look at this. Um, it started with Jed in caps, burn this division to the ground. Then there's a burn it down, another burn it down. And then sh- like you see Shaheen finally get on board. He goes, yep, burn it down. And then one of our other panelists is trying to like play, sit on the fence, just goes, burn this division down with a question mark. <laughs> it's, it's, un- it's unbelievable. It's Watching the best development. materialize month by month by month above our names is really <laughs> quite a delight to me. It has been my favorite thing about the rankings, so I'm glad you guys enjoyed as much. And as before uh, before anyone gets mad about this, they should know there's just there's not a lot of promotions that even have the 135 division. The there's UFC, like three in the world. The UFC and Invicta, and Invicta is and Aries. Is, and, and and the UFC and Invicta. I, I mean, Invicta is a separate promotion, but there's a connection there, right? So there's a reason. I'm not counting. I'm not saying count them as one, but to say it's like two promotions promoting 135 is a little strange because it's not really necessarily the case. Aries FC, um, but PFL doesn't, right? PFL is doing featherweight right now. Bellator doesn't. They, 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 Bellator has featherweight and flyweight specifically. They're like, yeah, we're just not doing 135. Like they, they made an active choice to not promote 135. Bellator smarter than us for a while. Yeah, apparently. So it, it is a it is a very strange division, and people will. Oh, it's and it, what makes it strange is we're always going to look back to the halcyon days of Ronda Rousey, of Misha Tate, of Holly Holm, whoever else in there. Petko Heya, shout out to Heya. When it was this booming marquee division, and then but once it stopped. You know, once that stopped, boy, it stopped hard. Like this division fell off a cliff and has not even come close like to climbing back up since. Yeah, yeah. The it's coming back. Still, coming back. Division two. <laughs> let me let me just ask because I know Mike has to get out of here. He has a hard out, so I want to ask this before he does. What for you, gentlemen? I mean, there, this is a two different parts to this question, right? There's going to be a title fight ostensibly at some point in this division, unless the OC just says, "Nah, we don't even need a champion. We're just going <laughs> to let this figure itself out." What's the title fight you expect, but also like what's in, in, in your dream world, if you're matchmaker world, like what's the title fight this division deserves? What's the Mike, one you would do? Mike, go ahead. So my, my mind has changed. My mind has changed uh, a little bit. If I were the matchmaker, Maya Brunicev is getting a title shot. Like she is just getting one because she is interesting and fun and if holly holm went out there and did the same thing to Meyer buenasova holly holm would be getting title shot right now so i would like to see Meyer buenasova get it she's not going to um i'm kind of i feel like Pena pennington was like locked in stone even before that fight happened so i think we're gonna get that and i think Meyer buenasova is gonna get the winner but i have to tell you I'm very intrigued about a Juliana Pena Macy Barber fight. Like, I actually really want to see that fight right now. It's I want to see it. Ooh. I want to see it. So even I if like, that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that should be the title fight. What would be the funniest thing in the history of the women's bantamweight division is if the UFC went with Myra Buena Silva versus Raquel Pennington for the vacant title and made Juliana Pena fight Macy Barber in a non-title fight. It would just be one of the funniest things ever. At some point, I do want to see that fight, but. How, how I really, if I have to put money on it, Silva MBS is going to be the backup fighter. She'll weigh in, she'll get the winner, and they'll do Pena Pennington because I think it's already done. Like, I, I bet it's already like a done deal. It just hasn't been announced yet. Probably happens in MSG. They'll probably do like three title fights, and that'll be the first of the three. So, yeah, I think that's what we're going to get, and MBS gets the winner. I just have to explore this here really quickly. What do you think the lead up, like, what's the press conference for Juliana Pena versus Macy Barber look oh, like? Oh, no. <laughs> It's, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> I, I think it would be pretty good. I think Macy, like, I think Macy's got that in her. Kind of, she's got that 
sort of gangster-ish side to her that could piss Pena off. Like, it ain't going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty, but we would see Juliana Pena probably get somewhat flustered in there, and Barbara would eat that shit up. So it would be kind of entertaining in that respect, but it could also be really terrible, too. Like, this could be, how does a bill become a law all over again? <laughs> but in a different, different respect. On the pantheon of phrases that just get repeated over and over again for some reason, how does a bill become a law and frozen like Elsa? Like, what's the worst? Oh, how does a bill become a law was so bad that it was good. <laughs> no, that one's yeah, good. Yeah, Elsa, I, I, I love that one. It's so yeah. bad that I love it so much. Yeah, it, frozen it like Elsa like is rapid awful. Fire. It was also like, how's a bill become a law? How's a bill become a law? <laughs> Tell me. Come on. <laughs> I've seen school, Schoolyard Rock. I know. Uh, I'm... I'm actually fully, pretty much fully on board with what Mike said. I said immediately after, I think MBS and Rocky Pendleton are in a just world. They just deserve it the most. They have just continued to beat people in this weight class, which is what you'd hope for for contenders. So that would be the one I'd make. We're going to get Pennington Pena. My guess is MSG or the New York card as the co-main, and that's fine. The winner of that, I will put number one. Uh, because if Pennington wins, I mean, that's six in a row, that's, that's enough. And if Pena wins, I will even give her that credit. Like that's, that means she has two extremely good wins. That's enough to, to probably pass MBS. What do you think? AK? already happened. Bueno Silva versus home. Listen, that was the title fight in my mind. I, I will going forward, either intentionally or by accident, be referring to Maya Bueno Silva as the UFC bantamweight champion in the future. If she next, if she loses, She's I'll probably be calling her. Champion. She's the uncrowned champion. They should have, they should have gotten uh, championship fight money. Holly Holm and Maya Bueno Silva should have gotten paid whatever it is that you get, what, 500 grand or whatever, the automatic like pay boost for a championship fight. That, that to me, it's already been done. Pena and Pennington, they're fighting to be the number one contender to face Maya Bueno Silva in the future, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, except for the fact that they'll actually have a belt and get that money. But you guys know what I'm saying. I saw the fight I wanted to see. They should have made that for the vacant title. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, like, I, I obviously it's going to be Pena Pennington. I agree. I think that's already, like, almost basically done for the most part. Can I throw a wrench into this, though? I feel like I'll have, I'll have a lot of support with, though, especially from one of you. Juliana Pena, Aaron Blanchfield. Tell me that's not a better fight than anything we're talking mm, about. I hate this idea. Why? We, I thought of all people you would be on this. Because I'd, Aaron Blanchfield needs ha, first must ascend to her rightful position as the flyweight champion of the world. I don't need we to We just do, gotta wait for all of... Uh, if, if Valentina wins, you're gonna do the trilogy. Fine. She's I, fine. I don't wanna she's wait. Uh, it's also pretty unlikely to me that Valentina wins as the biggest Valentina fan. Uh, history is against her getting the W on the, on the comeback here. Uh, if she does whatever, she's 23, it's fine. I want Blanchfield to be the champion in the weight class in which she is best, in one, the best women's weight class in the sport, two, a real weight class, not an almost fake weight class, which is what Bantamweight is really on the verge of. Like, it's, call me crazy. I just, fight in your weight class, and if you've beaten every single person and there's truly nothing else, then then we'll give you a chance at a second belt. I just, I don't need to see, uh, I, look, I think Aaron Blanchard will beat Juliana Pena. feel real good that that would happen. Just don't need it. Let let the women at 135 settle their affairs. And let Aaron Blanchfield settle her business, and then she can go beat their asses later because she is the best female fighter on the planet. I just have a sneaking suspicion 
that Val is going to win this belt back in a very methodical five round decision. We're going to go to a third fight and Aaron. Bunch That's the thing is stuck sitting there for like a year. We're not going to do that at all because if Valentina wins this belt, however she wins it, she's going to pull an Izzy and be like, I have settled this rivalry. I have won the most recent one. So we need not fight again. I will now go to bantamweight and fight for the bantamweight belt Ooh. against whoever the winner of, of the Pennington pain is. I think that's what happens if Val wins. So either way, I think Blanchard has a clear route into the flyweight belt. Uh, and I'm just, I, you're right. I just want to do that. Just want to do that. Don't need to do the bantamweight thing. Uh, I'd rather Val get the chance anyway, because you know, let her do the legacy thing at the end of her career. I just let Blanchfield be the best flyweight in the world because that's what she is. I, I mean, if you're Aaron Blanchfield, if I'm Aaron Blanchfield, I right now am campaigning so hard to become the youngest two-division UFC champion and making that like the, the, the Macy Barber, I'm going to be the John yeah. Jones type of thing. Like that's, my, that's now my like, statement that I'm throwing out there to everybody. And then eventually calling out Norma Dumont for a vacant uh, featherweight title fight and then becoming the, young, the only three-division UFC champion ever. Pass right there. It's right there. Do the right thing, UFC. It's very much in play. Should be. <laughs> uh, all right. I, th- th- we had women's bantamweight conversation. It was necessary. That's good. It was that planned. Makes, that makes me it was happy. One that was yeah, this time <laughs> it was planned for once. Yeah. Um, let's go. We have one last thing to get to today, and then we'll get out of here. As you guys know, we, tend, we like to pour one out to end our shows. Uh, wish some, some sad farewells. Sometimes, sometimes they're not sad. Uh, to people who leave their rankings on this ranking cycle. This ranking cycle in particular, there actually aren't that many departures because it was A, a short cycle, and also B, there were just very few fights of consequence. So not a ton of movement, but there were two that I think are worth mentioning. First of all, let's pour one out. But this is more of like, let's pop a cork for this man, for Francis Ngannou, because he is officially out. He hits the 18-month cutoff that we have in our rankings. You, You don't fight for 18 months, you're out regardless of what's going on. So he's out. He's out of the pound for pound. Uh, I think he was number seven. He's out of that. He's also out of the number one heavyweight spot. So John Jones ascends. He is now officially our number one heavyweight. Francis will be okay. He's winning life right now. Just so we're clear, John Jones is not my number one heavyweight, and I will not be uh, changing this anytime soon. Now I have to ask, who's your number one heavyweight? I have not looked at this. Tommy Espinel, Espinel. You are not Tommy serious. Tommy Espinel. That is irresponsible. This is irresponsible. Are you serious? Why? I don't. I don't want to go down this well right now, Shane. <laughs> I don't. This will be handled internally. Why is it irresponsible? <laughs> I'm sorry, John Jones beating Cyril Gaon. That's that's it. It's one win. Tommy uh-huh. Espinel got plenty of them. They're real good. Yeah. Very quality wins. This young man is the future, and I am. I am I'm buying taking, stock. I'm not I taking this buying Aspinall stock. Take, take to you later, Jed. Take to you later, buddy. I'm not taking. I'm not topical. Taking the yeah. topical. <laughs> no one gets that's a no real inside. It's a really inside joke. It's, it's great. Uh, <laughs> do you want to tell the story now or not? We don't. No, it's so. It's uh, not even worth it. Uh, but anyway, Francis is killing it. He will be back whenever he fights Derek Lewis at the beginning of 2024 and makes Derek Lewis a bunch of money. And we have all just had a ton of fun with the whole situation. So still long to Francis Ngannou. We don't even need to, to talk about it. He, he again, crushing it. There is another one though, that I want to pour one out for. And this isn't even really rankings relevant, but it feels necessary at this point in time, because we're seeing a man, Jed Mishu. We're seeing a man flounder. We're seeing a man drown in front of us. And I want to throw him a life draft, but I just, I don't even know what to I do with this step point. on his head. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. We <laughs> got to pull one out for Michael Chandler, who, through no fault of his own, has completely seemingly lost the Conor McGregor fight. They did a whole season, the Ultimate Fighter, that no one is watching. Every weekend, we're seeing Mike try to try to get this back, try to claw it back, and it's just falling farther and farther out of his fingers. It's just slipping away from him. It feels like it's just not happening, especially after this past weekend of Conor just going off about Gaethje and Poirier and all these people. Do we need to pour one out for Michael Chandler? I mean, no, because that would be a celebration of him, and I certainly do not want to do this. Uh, let me tell you, the best thing that happened this past weekend was... Connor saying saying the quiet part out loud. Connor finally just dropping the facade and being like, "I don't care about Michael Chandler. I want to fight you, Justin Gaethje." It's like, oh, good. We all knew that you didn't. We were all aware, but at least we all now we all know. Now even Mike knows. And here's the thing: he can't. There's nothing he can do about it, and he didn't there's even try. He can do about it. Where where was Michael Chandler's big response to Connor saying, "I don't give a shit about fighting him"? There was no like nothing. Just he had to accept it, and he's gonna have to fight Armand Sarukian, and it's gonna be <laughs> delightful. Uh -oh. Imagine going from doing everything in your power to get this fight, and then this fight is given to you, and then. The UFC is like, you get you get it. Here's the golden ticket. It's yours. Do this tough thing. And then just like, nah, JK, Connor doesn't want to do it. So what if you have to fight this guy instead? It's the best. It rules. That's why you know that it's true, too, because that's why Michael Chandler's response after 291 was, Justin Gaethje needs to defend that BMF belt. I know he just beat me like eight months ago or whatever. Gaethje needs to fight me again because even he knows. He's pivoting. He's, He's giving pivoting. up on it. It's never going to happen. And uh, instead, he is going to be left holding the, holding the, the crappy end of the stick. He's going to have to fight Sarukian or like Grant Dawson or somebody who's Yikes. extremely good and will do nothing for him and probably beat him. It is just, it warms your heart. It really does. Uh, this is the problem. One of the problems, one of the few problems with the ultimate fighter and otherwise flawless uh, piece of reality television programming. What you, they, for one thing, they didn't have the fight book before the season started. That was a huge red flag. In the past, they've been pretty good about uh, establishing a date, now, if not for the finale, like for the fighters, but for, you know, when the two coaches were going to fight each other. It, that hasn't always been the case. There have been plenty of other seasons where they just said, ah, at some point during the season, we'll announce it, or at the end of the season, we'll announce when the coaches are fighting. This one, right away, I think a lot of us were like, oof, they don't have a time for when this fight's going to happen. We all knew, even before it all like started blowing up, we all knew, like, we know Connor's not back in USADA, and all this other stuff going on in his life, just his general unreliableness as far as like pin, being able to pin him down for a fight like so far ahead of time. And that was that was a huge worry. The show is, I think, I want to say it's longer than usual. It's 12 episodes. Maybe that's normal, but it was a longer filming. I know for a fact it was a longer filming. And there's just so many red flags. That's why I always, I've been saying for years, I don't, if you're going to make a big fight, if you want to make a big fight, do not tie it to the Ultimate Fighter. Do not make the two guys coach the Ultimate Fighter. They've had some pretty good luck recently. I don't think any of the fights have fallen through. But this was one where I'm like, if you're just going to make the fight, just make the fight. Don't make them go through this whole song and dance. And you're right. It, Michael Chandler has suffered for it because he's been putting in the work on the show. He's been doing a post-fight show. Uh, bless him along with us. You know, we got Tough Hang. 
People always tune into that. But I, I will say Malcolm Chandler is also doing a, his own post Ultimate Fighter show. He's been doing everything he can. He's spoken into existence. Uh, so I still hope this fight happens. I'm still optimistic it will happen. But this is a blind optimism at this point. I'm not. I can't give you a strong reason why I'm like, oh, uh, this. Well, Connor said this, and Michael Chandler said this, and this happened on the show. They're definitely still going to fight. I'm like, every sign is pointed to this fight not happening. Here's the thing, though, AK. He's not doing everything that he can, and that's that's it. Like, I think that there's a real world where this would just never have happened under any circumstance. But how many fighters in history? have gotten to fight Conor McGregor because they called him out and were very nice. It's Dustin Poirier. Dustin the list Poirier, is, the list is yeah. Dustin Poirier. And he at that's least had it. the past with him as well. He had a past fight that... Yeah, know. they had a past. He respects Dustin. Uh, and Conor was also in the middle of semi-feuding with the UFC. And Dustin was like, hey, we should do this thing for charity. And that sort of it got traction and took on. And that's it. And every other fighter who has called him out, be it in, in with animosity or... Or with kind words, they don't, because Connor's going to fight the people who are specific for whatever reasons. Unless you're Nate Diaz, who calls him out and talks a whole mess, and people are interested in it. Michael Chandler has has not galvanized people into really caring about this fight. It's a fine fight; people would watch it, but there's nothing there that's like we have to see it. And he has not taken any of the opportunities to when he is in a room with Connor. To really make him care. And I said this on something. I don't remember what we were, what show it was. On the clip of of the the incident. The tough. shove. The yeah. shove. It's very yeah. obvious to anyone with eyeballs that like that's just a fabricated thing Connor's doing because he doesn't actually feel any type of yeah. way about Chandler. You gotta, you gotta make him feel some way about you. And whether that's coming out and saying, uh, oh, you're you're just afraid of me and you're on the juice and all like you could, you could say the things Justin Gaethje did and then Connor would come back at you. And instead Michael Chandler's like, I'm just going to pivot to Justin Gaethje. Cause I can't get this Connor. I liked like, the slow hands thing or small hands thing. He was doing like a small. No, that was actually thing. really that was good cute. thing. Yeah. That was, that was fun. You should just double that. down on it though. Every single day you just be a relentless ass and, and hope that that works. Because whatever you're doing now is not like he clearly doesn't care about fighting you and there's nothing in it for fighting you. If he beats you, he is no closer to anything of substance. And that's that's like, the who's other who's trick Michael to Chandler's all of his Photoshop things. guy. Michael Chandler's Photoshop yeah, guy he has should to just have be one. putting pictures every day out of, sm of small hands. Mm -hmm. Smaller and smaller every yes. day. I, uh, like he, that actually should be the bit <laughs> is that every day it just they just get a fraction of a percent smaller. You better agree to this fighter. These hands going to keep getting smaller. <laughs> I know you guys are dil diligently watching Ultimate Fighter 31. I haven't watched week, an episode. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm just going to pretend you haven't. I know you guys watch. The immediate aftermath of the shove was nothing. Like every episode since, they don't bring it up. Chandler and him are like in meetings, being like buddy buddy, being very That's professional. You remember? It when, is so stupid. It is like how can there, there was, be like no tension between them? It's zero, zero you, tension. You remember when there was like a brief man? Uriah Faber's a big star, and like he and Connor could fight, and then there was like maybe a touch of it, but then they were just like nice to each other, and so yeah. immediately went away. Yep. Being nice to Connor ain't gonna get you a fight with him ever. Unless you're Dustin Poirier, and who at the time was the consensus number one lightweight on earth. Then Connor was interested in fighting the number one guy on earth. Michael Chandler ain't that. Like, you're going to have to do something. He's not doing it. And so it's on him. You got to do more, buddy. Just do more. So, in the spirit of that, you know, we like to rank things on this show. What's the most fun choice for you 
for a Connor eventual fight. Because who the hell knows with this dude? He, he might never fight again. I wouldn't be surprised if he never fights again. But if, say, in the world that exists where he goes back into USADA and actually commits to drug testing and commits to training for like two months for something, what's the most fun version of that for you now? Okay, I'll leave it to you. I have three answers that I get that Do I'm you? okay with. I also have three answers. Okay. So I'm glad that you have. Three. I like I said, I haven't given up on the Michael Chandler fight, but I guess for the sake of this question, we're saying assuming the Michael Chandler fight doesn't happen, there's still guys, there's still like three episodes of Ultimate Fighter left. You don't know what could happen. It's it's the most unpredictable show on television. <laughs> Something could happen that maybe people just go like, oh my gosh, I really, I really hope this fight happens, and and you know Connor sees that and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know what? I forgot it would happen. I forgot, but. I'm glad I watched this episode because I forgot that this happened in the house and I really need to settle the score with, with Michael Chandler. So I'm not giving up on it. Not so we're clear. One of my three is actually still Michael Chandler. Like, okay, I, good, good. I do think that that's a fun fight. Like because <laughs> Michael Chandler has been a chaos agent since coming to the UFC, I get that fight is fun. And so that that's, that's probably the most pure fun fight of, of my list. How do I get him in there with Charles Oliveira? Oh, is that just never, I mean, I clearly that's never going to happen. I don't know how it would, but I feel like if Charles loses to Islam again, which is uh, pretty likely. Him, if Charles beats Islam and then Connor oh, gets a yeah. relevant lightweight win, then you could get him in there. I don't even think he needs to get it. I feel like you, you don't think they would just throw him in there with the, I mean, Charles. Charles would, not I think Charles with all would jump at the opportunity. I, I Charles, Charles definitely would. Yeah. I think Charles would accept it. I'm not yeah. sure the UFC would do it. I think they would just yeah. go, all right, Volk, we have a new champ. Fight this champ instead. Yeah, but that's a long road because again, I, I I'm probably picking Islam to beat you him. You imagine again. a world where Connor just jumps some line and like mm -hmm. beat Charles for the title, yeah. and then all of a sudden the UFC no. has to deal with this maniac as their lightweight <laughs> champion. Like, he, we would never get title fights. I don't think they really want to do that. Yeah, I don't think they want to do that for that exact reason. Anything can happen. Charles Oliveira beats him 99 out of 100 times. I would not say 99 out of 100 times. I will happily say it. seven Charles, out of ten. Charles gets hit a lot. This is MMA, but I would. Seven out of ten. Charles gets hit hit a lot. Connor's a really, really good finisher. I don't know what Connor is anymore, if I'm being honest with you. I honestly don't. That's fair. <laughs> so Charles yeah. is your pick. And, and if I could wave my magic wand, I would make him fight Charles Oliver. So my, I, like I said, I still have, I think Chandler is the most fun one. I am dogmatically sticking to uh, the fight I have called for for five or six years at this point. If I got a magic wand and I got to make it, it would just be versus Justin Gaethje because we're talking two of the five most exciting fighters to have ever lived in a stylistic matchup that I think uh, at one point in time I would have described as perfect because the things Connor sucks at, Justin's really good at, and the things Justin sucks at, Connor's really good at. And so watching those two dudes meet in the middle and figure it out uh, has always been sort of my, my nirvana of what a fist fight could be in the UFC. Uh, coming off this weekend and really just the last few years in general, that fight is has less allure. I'm still holding on to the memory of the dream, but I'm pretty confident that Justin Gaethje would just thrash that dude. Yeah, that fears. doesn't feel competitive at all anymore. I mean, Justin like still can way, get right? hit early. So like the first three minutes, maybe Connor can do something, but he's so much more defensively responsible now. And he's just going to bash his face in, uh, which is a different kind of enjoy enjoyment, frankly. Uh, but I'm still I mean, holding that my as my number one. Is leading to that enjoyment, I will say. Yeah. So that's still holding that as my number one. But the actual one that, if I were the UFC and in charge of making things happen, the fight that I would move towards, assuming the Chandler fight is dead, uh, just do Patty Pimblet. Just do Patty Pimblet. It's a big. It's like one of the biggest fights they could possibly I thought about make. It. 
I actually think that fight, the older Connor gets and the less, the, the more his life, I won't say unravels outside of the cage, but continues to be this carnival sideshow of awful things one after the other, the more likely it is that Patty, simply by being a professional who is committed night and day for the focus of his life on this and has a clear set of skills that can take advantage of something Connor does and is really damn tough too. Like he's real durable. Connor might not just blow his doors off on the feet. Like I think that that's the passing of the torch fight and it's the fight you make. If I could make any fight with Connor, I think that's the one I would make. I like it. I like that. I like that infinitely more than throwing Tony against Patty just to get like sacrificed. I think that the Tony Patty fight was okay prior to Bobby Green. It probably was maybe even one further back than Bobby Green was the time to do it. Still could have done it after the Bobby Green fight. I just, I just really don't think you could do that. And it's like I just think Patty. I don't think what Patty gains anything Patty? from that at that point. Yeah, like, I don't what, think exactly. people think of Tony Ferguson in that way anymore. Not, certainly not after that. So what are we doing with Patty? I think that that's the fight. I mean, if you put him in with basically anybody, it's going to be super fun. I think most of the people who are elevated enough to warrant that fight just thump him, though, like because Connor's Connor. But Patty can be a competitive fight. It would do it in England. It would be unbelievable. I like it. I like it. I didn't think of that, but I like it. Yep. Uh, so I went three ways with this as well. Uh, the question posed as it was is what's the most fun choice for a Conor fight? And so my fake answer is Shavkat Ragmanov because I'm sick of <laughs> Conor McGregor and I don't care about any of this anymore. And I'm sick of talking about Conor McGregor and I'm Damn. sick of this person injecting Why not just himself. go Hamza, buddy? <laughs> well, because that, that's probably at 185, right? Like Shavkat's a 170 here. He'll be there. And I just am ready for this to be done because it's just kind of annoying at this point that we have to consistently talk about this man. That's all. Uh, so that's my fake choice. My real choice, I still really would like to see RDA get that opportunity. Wow, that would be surreal. To, to see them actually fight, to actually step into a case together would be surreal at this point. I have no idea where RDA is at this point in his career. He's, I don't know where Connor is at this point in his career. I think that's actually competitive right now. Oh, I yeah. don't think that's competitive Would, would it all. fix the... Shaheen, you, your story. You, in your story. The, way, the way that RDA I think him? RDA... I, I thought RDA would have beat the hell out of him back when it was set. Uh, I still believe very confidently that that would happen. I, I, would I also RDA think RDA well. is going to be fighting Dustin Poirier uh, That's sometime a in the matchup. next calendar year. Shaheen, you're, you're a storyteller. I don't storyteller. see Dustin accepting that fight. That doesn't make sense for Dustin. Shaheen, you're a storyteller. Tell me, would if this fight finally happened, would it correct the timeline? Would it fix the... Oh. Would it fix what it... <laughs> Something happened in 2016 when that fight fell through. And got the <laughs> the whole world went awry. <laughs> there was a schism, man. There was something happened because Jed's right. If RDA beats Connor, if RDA beats Connor, Connor still goes on and wins stuff. Still becomes super famous. That's nothing's going to stop that. He just is actually the featherweight champion. Yeah, I mean, does he does he still get the Mayweather fight? Maybe probably no. No, You think so? Hundred percent no. Maybe later, maybe he goes back to featherweight, commits to featherweight, can put together a run. I would doubt it, frankly, but mm -hmm. maybe he could have done that. And then, but no, like if, if RDA he just Thompson, probably defends that featherweight title for like several times, gets he the still Jose is a rematch, massive global superstar, mm -hmm. maybe fights for the lightweight belt down the line when RDA loses it later and something happens. But he's, I think, I do think the timeline ends up being Connor versus Habib. 
but it's Connor as featherweight champion versus Habib as lightweight champion. Uh, super if Connor has defended his belt a couple of times, because Habib gets to be champion much earlier <laughs> because the whole Connor thing doesn't happen. He just gets to step in. It probably rolls out like that. We can fix the timeline. I, I, Shane, I'm glad you brought that up. I still have hopes that we can fix this see wild ride that we've been on for the last. Oh, that's seven a great years. answer. Great answer. I still want to see it. I still it's the it. it's the fight we need just to make things whole again. Agree. I agree. Uh, and then my last pick. <laughs> oh, I know you, what you're gonna say. I you know, know what you're gonna say. Do you? Is it Max? No. Oh wow! I assumed it'd be Max. Okay. No, it's the one that you could convince me if you get me in a room and you talk to me for like ten minutes about it. It's Tony Ferguson. And I, I love the faces okay that I it. that I just saw back to me when I said that. That so was I said, processing. Tony, I said Tony and Connor again similarly with the Tony and Patty. I said it like a couple of fights ago. I think that that made sense. I'm still okay with it, but it's uh I think yeah, it's, it's the easiest way to get Connor a win if that's what you're interested in doing. And I think it's for me, I'd like to see Tony get that payday. So that would be the two like aspects of it. Imagine if Tony I, beat him. What a moment that would be if Tony like that would be Robbie Lawler esque. If, if Tony bigger, beat Connor, like way that, bigger, right? way like, bigger though, like way bigger we'll, moment. Yeah, I would cry actual tears. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the Max rematch. I'm okay with plenty of things for Connor. Just if he is going to fight, I would just rather have clarity. And that would be it. That's all I ask. Yeah, this, that's all. This, that's what I'm saying. Do it or don't. Yeah, in the words yeah. of in the words of Marlo Stanfield, yeah. do it or don't. But I got somewhere to be. <laughs> this is the most pleasant Conor McGregor conversation we've had on a podcast in years, maybe. Like I, we're all just kind of at peace with some of the decisions we've made here, and that, and we feel like this discussion was productive in a way. Well, there you go. Let's end on that. <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining us. This has been another episode of the MMA Fighting Rankings Show. We appreciate all you so much. Uh, as always, we got another big week ahead of us. I mean, we're going from one pay-per-view to another. We got Nate Diaz this week. Of course, the Jake Paul fight, as well as UFC Nashville. Uh, PFL is back. So just all sorts of things going on this week. Keep it locked to the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. Great network. Uh, and in the meantime, we love you guys. For Mike Heck, who had to leave us, that's Jed Mashu. That is Alexander K. Lee. I am Sean O'Shotty. We'll see you next month. Love y'all. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs> 